The question is, does sugar cause yeast overgrowth? Well, first of all, we all have yeast living inside of us. That's a normal part of our microbiome. The yeast is not implicitly bad. There are some versions of yeast that seem to be bad, but there are many versions of yeast that are extremely beneficial and good for us. The inflammatory forms of yeast, they do seem to be disproportionately empowered through the consumption of sugar. And when I say sugar, I mean refined sugar. I'm not saying eating fruit. Eating fruit is not the problem here. We would be far more healthy if we took that refined sugar and we started eating berries or other pieces of fruit. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, Everett, Washington, and Canberra, Australia. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 32 of season 6, number 428 overall. And today is all about powering up your gut. Because the secrets of a healthy microbiome aren't going to be secret much longer. We have everything that you need to know here on the show today to level up your gut health and helping to unlock those secrets for us and empower your gut is our friend, the two-time New York Times best-selling author, Dr. B, the Gut Health MD. Dr. Will Bolsowitz is back with us to make a house call today, and here is what is on tap. Prebiotics and probiotics, a big article in a major newspaper now questioning whether it's all hype and harm. Are you doing more damage than you're getting benefit when it comes to pre and probiotic supplements? He's going to be weighing in on that. We're also going to be talking a lot about fermented foods and food intolerance. You're going to hear from an exam roomie who has something called the tater trots. Something about potatoes just doesn't sit right with them. We're also going to be learning about C. diff and sugar and yeast growth in the gut, salty foods and bloating, and then also a big debate about kiwis and whether or not they are best to be eaten with or without the skin. And I don't know, this one was new to me. Open to trying it, but I don't know. Kiwis with the skin? Yeah, let's talk about it. Why not? And then after we wrap things up with the exam room live and all of these wonderful questions, I'm going to tell you today about a interesting study that could explain why we are hangry. Because it's not just you, my friends. Your microbiome may be hangry as well. New science. More fun. More things to talk about here on the exam room live today. Plus, we're going to be covering the big show out in L.A. And oh, my goodness gracious sakes alive, New York City. We are coming your way next. Had so much fun out in L.A. that now we are headed to New York on July 12th. Save the date. Dr. Neil Barnard and I will be there. Special guests to be announced, but I want for you to save the state. July 12th, New York City. That is the next time we will be doing the exam room live and in person. But right now, let's empower our gut health, raise our health IQs, and take that gut health to the next level. Here now, the exam room live with my good guy, Dr. Will Bolsowitz. Good to see you, man. Chuck, great to see you. Uh, I just want to start off with a quick comment that I noticed in the chat. By the way, thank you to everyone who's actively involved in the chat right now. It's really cool and fun to watch. Uh, Michelle says, hello, roomies. Woohoo! It's a Dr. B kind of a day. And that's awesome. I love that. It makes me feel good. To me, a Dr. B kind of a day means that you're laughing a lot. You're finding joy. And whenever possible... You're hanging out with Chuck Carroll. So welcome everyone <laughs> to the Exam Room Podcast. I wonder if that's the Michelle that I met out in LA. There was a Michelle 
Uh, and we'll we'll talk about uh, the the LA event last week here in just a minute. But man, what a what a great time that was! But there was a Michelle who flew all the way in from Calgary to be there. She wow. loves the show. She loves it when you and I get together. But Doctor B, she was telling me that she has already lost seventy pounds since she had started watching the show. Loves all of the information, the nutrition facts that we throw down here. Um, and she is well on her way. So it was really 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 cool for her to fly all the way from Calgary to be with us in Los Angeles. So. Uh, if that is indeed the same, Michelle, thank you so very much for being there. You humbled me to no end. So how cool is that, right? I mean, I that's mean, incredibly cool. I love the fact that she did that. 70 pounds of weight loss on a plant-based diet is something to celebrate, but there are so many other benefits to a plant-based diet. You can just go down the line of every single part of your body and talk about how plants are beneficial to that part of your body. And honestly, even if it's even if you're not here to make a radical change of your diet, even if you're just here for entertainment purposes to enjoy hanging out with me and Chuck, I still think that we're going to sneak some stuff in there that's going to make you think a little bit and you may start to uh, put a little more plants on that plate. You know what I'm thinking about today? is probiotics and prebiotics. We got a question today. Let's go ahead and open up the doctor's mailbag and lead with this. We got a question today from a viewer by the name of Sammy, who saw this in the Washington Post, says that he read an article there citing studies that say that uh, altering the composition of your micro, well, basically pre and probiotics, too much of it can be harmful, right? So when does the hype turn to harm? Uh, a quote there says uh, that they can alter the composition of your microbiome and reduce the levels of microbial diversity in your gut, which is linked to a number of health problems. So probiotics and prebiotics, Dr. B, too much hype, too much harm. What do we have here? Somewhere in between, Chuck, to be honest with you. Um, so first of all, let me say that I'm, am, I am a wholehearted believer in taking advantage of all evidence-based methods to improve a person's health. And to me, it starts with diet and lifestyle. But when we have evidence-based supplements that can benefit a person, why would we leave them on the sideline? That, I'm not saying that they, we should use them instead of diet and lifestyle. I'm saying we should use them in addition to diet and lifestyle. And in, in cases when medications are necessary, we should opt for medications that have evidence to support them as well. That's the way that we get best results, evidence-based choices. So when it comes to probiotics, the problem is that in many cases, the marketing claims or the hype is outpacing the actual science. Does that mean that there's no science to support probiotics? Absolutely not. There's tons of science. We have randomized placebo-controlled trials that will demonstrate that a probiotic is, in, for specific health-related conditions, a probiotic is beneficial compared to a placebo. Well, that's how we prove that something works, by doing randomized controlled trials and compare them to placebos. So the issue with probiotics, Chuck, is that we, we can't just sort of take this idea of, oh, probiotics are good, therefore you should just take whatever probiotic is out there. Um, there's no way to describe for an individual person what the ideal probiotic is and make it one size fits all. It has to be personalized. It has to be evidence-based. You should find the probiotic that has evidence to support the specific reason that you're choosing to take it. And then when you start that probiotic, the way that I typically would approach this with my patients is that when you start that probiotic, you commit yourself to taking anywhere from one to two months of that probiotic. And if during that time, you notice a substantial improvement in the symptoms that you're trying to address with that probiotic, you have your answer. But on the flip side, if you take that probiotic and you notice no difference at all, there is literally no difference. My question is, why are you taking it? Stop wasting your money. So summary, start with the basics. Diet and lifestyle always comes first. But then when it comes to supplements, probiotics, and I should have prebiotics, can be extremely beneficial. And I'm happy to talk more about these. I mean, obviously, Chuck, I could go on all day talking about probiotics and prebiotics, uh, but that's sort of my general overview of, of how I approach those things. Well, yeah. And I think that Tina has the natural follow-up here is that should you be looking at taking some probiotics when you're on an antibiotic? Yeah, that's a very interesting question, and it's a bit nuanced, uh, a little more nuanced than perhaps we thought a few years ago. Back in the day, Chuck, I used to recommend antibiotics, uh, I'm sorry, probiotics to my patients who would be on antibiotics. And the reason why is because we had data uh, that made it quite clear that, that antibiotics, the right antibiotic, can reduce antibiotic-associated diarrhea 
and can reduce your exposure or risk of developing an infection after the antibiotics called Clostridioides difficile. Used to be uh, known as Clostridium difficile, but we just call it C. diff. This uh, C. diff infection, it occurs after antibiotics because you destroy or disturb the microbiome and create an environment where this particular bacteria can then thrive and become adequately dominant to cause disease or illness. And it can be severe. I've had people who have had their colon removed as a result of a severe C. diff infection. Well, with regard to probiotics after antibiotics, there was a new study published in the journal Cell. And by the way, this exact paper I've been talking about since literally the, I think probably the week that it came out, I've been talking about this paper. It changed the way that I uh, uh, took care of my patients. But this was mentioned in the Washington Post article that you're now referencing. I believe it's five years later, Chuck, where in this journal uh, Cell, what they showed is that people who take probiotics after antibiotics it actually can slow the recovery of your microbiome. So for the vast majority of people, when you take antibiotics, you probably do not need a probiotic after the antibiotic. That way you can allow your body to recover more quickly. But you should talk to your doctor about this. But for those who have a history of C. diff infection or, or are at increased risk of developing a C. diff infection, I think that's where the probiotics do make sense. So it's a bit of a nuanced answer, but that's generally the way that I would approach that, Chuck. Let's take a question from the Wholesome Vegan at 1213, wondering about pre and probiotics and whether instead of getting them straight up from the supplements, there are some foods that you should be eating that could do the same thing. Well, uh, we know that 95% of Americans are deficient in fiber. And that's what prebiotics are. Prebiotics are really, I mean, you're essentially referring to dietary fiber. So, and we shouldn't be trying to compensate for our fiber deficiencies by uh, essentially taking prebiotic supplements. We should be focusing on nutrition in our diet first. The prebiotic supplements can pro provide benefit, Chuck. I mean, I will speak as a gastroenterologist to say that I am not in any way uh, saying that prebiotics lack value. I have seen so many patients who got value from the prebiotic supplements, including when they are consuming a completely plant-based diet. I myself find them to be beneficial while consuming a completely plant-based diet. But that being said, like with 95% of people being deficient in dietary fiber, let's address that with diet first. When it comes to probiotics, the vast majority of people are not consuming fermented food the vast majority of people are not consuming fermented food. And we have evidence that was actually published once again in the journal Cell by different authors. This is by the Sonnenbergs who are out at Stanford. We have evidence where you can add uh, fermented foods to your diet. And within 10 weeks, you can actually see changes in the microbiome, including adding, adding diversity to the microbiome, which is generally considered a measure of health. Um, the reason why that works, we believe, is because there are living microorganisms as a part of that living uh, fermented food. And that is, in a way, delivering the probiotics in the same way that it would if you were to take a capsule. So from my perspective, like we should eat more plants and we should eat fermented food. And for those of us who benefit from prebiotic or probiotic supplements, there's a place for that too. But the first two statements are where we start. We should eat more plants. We should add fermented food. Want to do an exam roomy roll call real quick before we take the next question. Lyrical Queen is holding down the Kingdom of Health in Bermuda. Thanks for tuning in today. Sandre Bain is in Las Vegas. We have the Wholesome Vegan who's joining us today. The Wholesome Vegan, by the way, uh, that question just there, I believe they were also at the LA show. So, hey, how you doing? Uh, Nana Rocks all the way in Rome, Italy. How cool is that, man? Italy, dude. I mean, that's we got to do one of these shows over in Italy. That's what needs to happen. I hear that the food in Italy is tre fantastic even though that's French. <laughs> that, I, I don't know Italian at the trade, all. The trade got uh, derailed pretty hard right there. Well, a little bit, a little bit. I'm still on West Coast time, man. It's, it's still early for me, man. You're still, you're still reeling with the uh, from the enthusiasm of the wonderful event, which, by the way, I still want to hear more about. But by, 
but I should also say Nana Rocks. That's a cool name. Like I wish my name was as cool as that. Bulls <laughs> like that cool. I, I can call you Prince Nana if that's what you want. It's the rocks part. Dr. B rocks. Dr. B rocks. Like, can we work with that? Dr. B rocks. Lyrical Queen also says that you are the greatest poop man ever. So I think that that's a pretty healthy compliment right there. That's a healthy compliment. That is a healthy compliment. Um, All right. Let's come back to pre and probiotics in just a little bit. But I want to take a fun question from Bean Burrito came in at 1139. So they were waiting on this. They were pouncing. Uh, if you consume sugar, can it cause yeast? yeast growth and what exactly happens in the gut you know yeast overgrowth is a is a conversation that seems to be taking place without a lot of and this is just me speaking with honesty i'm not seeing a lot of evidence to to define who exactly has yeast overgrowth now i will say there are certain things that can happen with the body that to me like meet the definition of yeast overgrowth and they're very clear so for example if you take antibiotics and you develop thrush in your mouth. So you open your mouth and you see these white plaques that are occurring while you're taking the antibiotics. Um, that that is a yeast overgrowth. If you have, you know, um, athlete's foot or uh, toenail infunction, to toenail infection, these are also evidence uh, pieces of evidence of yeast overgrowth, at least in those vocal areas. Now the question is, does sugar cause yeast overgrowth? Well, first of all, we all have yeast living inside of us. That's a normal part of our microbiome. The yeast is not implicitly bad. There are some versions of yeast that seem to be bad within a certain context, um, but there are many versions of yeast that are extremely beneficial and good for us. The inflammatory forms of yeast, they do seem to be disproportionately um, empowered through the consumption of sugar. And when I say sugar, I mean refined sugar. I'm not saying eating fruit. Eating fruit is not the problem here. Um, so if you even read uh, books by uh, authors who specialize in this particular topic, for example, at the Cleveland Clinic, uh, Cleveland Clinic, Case Western. At Case Western is Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum, uh, and he's really an expert on the, on the um, fungal microbiome. They call it the mycobiome, M-Y-C-O. And he, in his book, uh, he doesn't say stop eating fruit. He says stop eating sugar. So I think that the point from my perspective, Chuck, is like the concept of yeast overgrowth, we have to be a little bit careful there because I feel like on the internet, this, these terms are being tossed around without people having like a clear test to prove that. That being said, I don't see the benefits to the microbiome in terms of consumption of refined sugar. When you look at population data, the vast majority of Americans and people in industrialized, westernized countries are consuming way too much refined sugar. And we would be far more healthy if we took that refined sugar and we started eating berries or other pieces of fruit instead of that. You know, another piece of fruit that I know you love, and it was on the cover of Fiber Fueled, is the good old kiwi. And Andrew, it, hold it up for us, my man. Andrew at 1217, there it is, the kiwi, wants to know whether, Dr. B, you eat your kiwis with or without the skin. If they're organic, I'll still clean the surface. So the issue is that you're going to have, the kiwi is going to be sprayed with pesticides no matter what, whether it's organic or not. Um, but if it's organic, I'm more comfortable with the types of pesticides as long as I'm cleaning the top of the kiwi. And when I do, I there is nutritional value that exists in the skin of fruit. In fact, there have been studies with other fruits where the skin um, specifically will have a concentration of the polyphenols. Polyphenols are the antioxidant compounds that actually are beneficial to our gut microbes. There also is insoluble fiber, which is the roughage that can provide other benefits, not necessarily feeding the microbes, but in terms of helping to facilitate healthy bowel movements. So when it comes to kiwis, they are healthy if you peel the skin off, but they are healthy as well when you include the skin on top. If I'm buying them organic and I clean them off, then I will then keep the skin on, but you don't have to. Pardon the pun here, but let's go ahead and try to digest this a little bit more. How does the skin of a kiwi taste? I mean, isn't it a little bit furry? I mean, it's not like you're eating an apple, which has a smooth skin. Is this like a taste that you're going to have to acquire or get used to? Is it really like tangy, twangy? Like, talk to me about the skin of a kiwi. Well, you know, the 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 meat of the kiwi, by meat, I mean like the the green central part that's underneath the skin. The meat of the kiwi has an intense, powerful flavor, right? I mean, anyone who's had a kiwi, they 
you know this, right? And it's it's packed with vitamin C. You can literally taste it in there, the vitamin C. It's the acidity, citric acid. So anyway, uh, asorbic acid, my apologies, asorbic acid. So anyway, the, what you end up finding, Chuck, if you go for it, if you do what I'm proposing here, is that the flavor of the kiwi is so punchy and powerful that you don't really notice the skin part and when you mash on a kiwi, when you chew it up and grind it with your teeth, the skin part is not sitting there like resisting your chewing and making it hard for you to swallow. It disappears and dissolves very quickly. So the sort of the concerns that you have, they disappear with a couple big munches. All right. So I'm going to do the taste test on the kiwi live on the show the next time that you're on next month. All right. Let, let's send me a text to remind me so we can actually make sure that this happens. I'm curious for today, though, uh, if we can in the chat with you guys who are watching right now, the roomies, give me a thumbs up, thumbs down as to whether or not you've eaten the kiwi with the skin on and what you think. I've already seen like a kind of a split decision here. I'd love to see more of a consensus here. So let us know. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Were you skeptical the first time you tried this? This just seems so foreign to me. Well, you know, uh, what I realized is, so first of all, I'd watched my son grab a kiwi and just like that, you know, and just go after it. Um, I was like, oh, interesting. He's cool with eating the skin. Let me just, when he wants a kiwi, because my son loves kiwis, let me just take that kiwi, grab a knife and cut it two slices. Boom, boom. Now you got four pieces of kiwi and it's just so easy and you're done, right? As opposed to peeling it where it's like, okay, I got to peel it. Here we go. Whittling away here, right? So there's a, there's a simplicity to it all. And like, as I mentioned, Chuck, if it is easier <laughs> and there's nutritional value, then why not? Mm. I'm Look, I, I mean, I'm all for it. And I'm going to, I'm going to give it a try. The decision in the chat is still split. We've got Kelly who says that it's absolutely great. Justin's giving it a big old thumbs up. Wholesome vegan. Never tried it, but I will now. Uh, only tried it. Uh, Emily says it's tried it once in a smoothie in. Eh. Katie, this is a hard no. This is kiwi skin. No way. Too fuzzy. Too fuzzy. That could be a mental hang up, man. I'm serious, right? Yeah, like, it might be. It might be. Pixie Pebbles, that's a great name. That's a big old thumbs down. Has not tried it. I don't know. Elizabeth says texture makes a difference, but doesn't say whether or not that they've tried it. We've we've hit on something here. The kiwi is a hot topic. Who well, the kiwi is a hot topic. That's why I put it on the cover of the book because like yeah. who, who doesn't want to talk about an exploding kiwi? Right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, what I could have possibly put on the cover of this book that's more easy on the eyes and attractive than an exploding kiwi that makes you go, dude, that looks tasty. And also like what blowing stuff up is kind of cool. Um, so anyway, but you know, the, here's the thing, Chuck, all these people, there is no right or wrong. There's just, look, are you eating a kiwi? That's the, that's the question. Are you eating a kiwi? Whether the skin is on or the skin is off, I don't care because you're eating a kiwi and your microbes love that kiwi. You are winning either way. We're all winners. Well, let's, so here's Elon's issue. Elon is definitely eating a kiwi right now, but nothing is... Right ex it, well, right. I mean, and, I, and not right this second, but Elon eats kiwis okay. probably recently, but nothing is exploding like the kiwi on your book when Elon goes to the bathroom. Says here at 1223, is there any reason the kiwi would create constipation in an individual? I have this issue when I eat them. That is a very interesting thing. Now, let me let me be the first to say that, I mean, as you know, Chuck, and I've said this so many times on this show, I'm a believer in our personalized response, right? It's not going to be the same for all of us. So any even things that for some people cause diarrhea and others it will cause constipation. With Elon, we're seeing the opposite. We actually have clear-cut studies, Chuck to show that people who have constipation will benefit from the consumption of kiwis. If have cut studies. Now, this doesn't mean that Elon is making this up. She is not making this up. I'm telling you. I'm just saying that we have. this is why we have research. We have research so that I can say things like, hey, if you have constipation, you may benefit from eating kiwis. And when we have enough people, like we have all these people who are here with us today, when we have enough people and I make a statement like that, I'm providing benefit to some of you. 
but there's going to be someone in there like Elon, who this just isn't working the way that you wanted it to work. And this is why you have to, at the end of the day, do what's best for your body. Uh, I've heard about this. We're going to stick with kiwis here for a second. I've heard about this with pineapple, but never with another fruit, including the kiwi. Alexandria 1224, eating a couple of kiwis a week makes my tongue burn. Is that normal? So that actually, uh, calling it normal, like, a, what you know, what it would <laughs> right? So, but, um, this actually, she's referring to something that's actually rather common. It's called oral allergy syndrome. This is actually the most common food allergy. It occurs oftentimes with fruit, and it's not necessarily the fruit. It can often be the pollen that's on the surface of the fruit that's triggering an inflammatory response by our immune system. Now, it typically is not dangerous. It's more of a sensation, like a pins and needles sensation or a discomfort that occurs in the lips or on the tongue or something of that variety. Now, if you get swelling, that's a whole nother level. But this oral allergy syndrome, it may improve when you clean your fruit before consumption, and it may improve if you skin your fruit prior to consumption. So in this particular case with Alexandra, that's what I would try. Try skinning your kiwi and see if it helps you. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just talking about how you should eat the skin. Now I'm saying, but you, Alexandra, like this is how you should do it. It's all about what works for you. I mean, I, I think that that's just a great general philosophy when it comes to health in general, right? I mean, there's no real one size fits all. And I think that uh, the more you personalize, the more likely you are to be able to stay with this healthier track that you're on, wouldn't you say? I totally agree, Chuck. I totally agree. But I also think that there's this place for these conversations. Like I want to empower these people to understand the intersection between doing what feels right to you and simultaneously observing and understanding the science that guides you to better health. Because the issue, Chuck, seriously though, the issue here is that there we can all list things that make us feel really good that actually are not good for us. Right. Like we don't necessarily have to get into the specifics, but I could rattle off a bunch of drugs that I'm pretty sure <laughs> they make you feel good and they're not really good for you in the long run. Right. And I think that there is this element of this as well. Like we have to find what works for us. I am not in any way suggesting that people should live in pain and be uncomfortable. I would never want that for one of my patients. I want you happy. I want you healthy. I want you free from pain, free of symptoms. Um, but that being said, the reason why I'm sort of uh, stepping in here to sort of ex ex unpack this a little bit more, Chuck, is because sometimes when people add more plants to the plate, they may get some discomfort. They may get some bloating. These are food intolerances that can be overcome. That's what the Fiber Fields cookbook is about. Is about like, really, this is the, the reason I wrote the book was not to give you recipes for some. That's why you get it. But the reason that I wrote the book is because people who suffer with food intolerances deserve a way to overcome those particular health related issues. And the reason why you don't want to eliminate the food when you have these symptoms is because the evidence is quite clear that that damages our microbiome and it's bad for us in the long run. So ultimately what we need is to be able to understand that, like, for example, you want to add this fiber rich food into your, into your diet and you're like, oh, but that made me feel bloated and I didn't, I didn't really feel too well when I did that. Well, that doesn't mean you should get rid of it completely. We just need to know how to adjust. That's where the science comes in to help you understand. You want to get there. Here's how you get there. In the same file as things that are fun that may or may not be good for you comes this question from Clint, who says, beer is fermented. Is that then good for the gut? This is a really uh, timely question because there was a new study that just got published, Chuck, looking at the um, potential benefits of alcohol consumption. Now, let, let, let me frame the context here. The context is that through the years, there have been a number of epidemiology studies. You have to understand when we do epidemiology, epidemiology is like population-based research. We're trying to look at things that take a very long time to develop. And because they take a very long time to develop, we just can't do, you know, randomized control trials. Like there is no randomized control trial that proves that smoking causes lung cancer. Yet 100% of us agree that smoking causes lung cancer, and that's because of epidemiology studies that have demonstrated that for us. With alcohol, there have been some studies that suggest that having one or two drinks per day 
actually is beneficial, that people live longer when they consume one or two drinks per day. Well, Chuck, there was a new study that just got published in the last few weeks, and it actually challenged this idea that there is a benefit to consuming alcohol. And the authors, what they believe is happening is that there's a problem where, for example, a person has a couple of drinks uh, and then they have a health-related issue. And because they have a health-related issue, they quit drinking alcohol. And it makes it seem like this one to two drinks is better for your health because those are people that are not necessarily having health-related issues. So the point from my perspective, here's my point. Can you consume some alcohol and be healthy? The answer is yes. Should you consume alcohol because it adds to your health? The answer is no. And if you consume too much alcohol, what will it do to your gut health? It will damage your gut health. So you're, it's what is the threshold? It varies by person. It's less for women than it is for men. The data are very clear on that. It's less for women than it is for men. But the point is, there is no benefit to consuming alcohol in terms of your gut health, but there is potentially a downside. All right, there you go. Beer is fermented, but uh, proceed with caution. Basically, that's kind of where we're at right now, right? Well, uh, when we talk about fermented foods, we, I mean, you know, there's a there's a difference between consuming alcohol versus consuming uh, sauerkraut or kimchi or tempeh or something like that. And so right. let's not just like, you know, the fermented fermentation is a very big category. That's like using the word protein or using the word fiber. There's a lot that exists within these spaces. Let's sort of define that with more clarity using the word carbohydrate, like refined carbohydrates versus unrefined. Let's, let's refine that with more clarity. What we want when we go, go for fermented foods is we want to go for the things that are more like, you know, uh, sauerkraut, kimchi, tempeh, miso, things like that. I want to talk a quick bit about food intolerances, and then we're going to talk about this extraordinary summit that you have coming up as well that are, that's really going to help people empower their gut health. Um, question from Susie, who just whenever she say, she says, whenever she eats potatoes, she gets what I would call the tater trots. And so she's wondering what in the world could cause a food intolerance, whether it's a potato or otherwise, is it always something that we're born with or what is happening there? You know, it really, so Chuck, this is um, literally what the fiber fields cookbook is about. And I wasn't intending to make this into a promotion for the fiber fields cookbook, but like literally if you want to dive into the world of food intolerances, this is, I, I wrote this book to be the gold standard book on this topic. It includes recipes that are protocols for specific types of food intolerances. Now, Chuck, there are different types of food intolerances. This is, again, this is an umbrella term, and there are different things that fall under this sort of umbrella term for food intolerances. But if I were to speak generally, if I were to speak generally, the majority of people who suffer with food intolerances, it does involve on some level damage to the microbiome. Your digestive system is struggling to process and break down specific components within your food as a result, in many cases, of there being damage to the microbiome. And so with that being the case, um, if we can repair and restore the microbiome, you will see that there will be improvement and in many cases, resolution of these food intolerances. Question from Charlie, sent this one in ahead of time, wondering why salty foods could cause bloating. Uh, that's an interesting question. So there's a number of different elements to this. So salty foods, first of all, um, promote water retention. And to, to a varying degree, depending on the individual person and their health-related issues, that could mean different things. But there are some people, for example, who have congestion. Chuck, when I was uh, an internal medicine resident in Chicago, I used to work at the Jesse Brown VA and it would drive me nuts because I, I'm not like, but I'm not kidding when I say this, this is literally what would happen. They would serve free popcorn in the lobby of the Jesse Brown VA. And I know they're just trying to do something good for the vets. And I, and we should be doing good things for our vets. We should be grateful to our veterans. Um, so they would serve this popcorn. And of course the popcorn is incredibly salty. And next thing you know, you would see several of these guys that were like hanging out in the lobby with their buddies eating popcorn. They would end up in the emergency room with congestive heart failure. 
Now, the routine, the average person is not that frail and vulnerable. But um, if you have a bad heart, literally just eating too much salt in one meal can actually tip you over and put you in the emergency room. Salty foods cause water retention. And this is one of the ways in which they contribute to bloating. Let's go back really quickly to intolerances. Take a question from our friend Richard, 1237. Uh, what about beets? Could that be something similar to what Susie was experiencing with potatoes? With beets, most of the time you're going to peel the skin. I don't think that beets would cause an oral allergy syndrome. Beets are not a classic cause of food allergies. There are specific foods that are sort of classic causes of food allergies. Um, so it could be something else in terms of beets. Um, it's hard for me to completely put my finger on it just based upon this information. Fair enough. Uh, and let's see here. We'll grab two more. You feel like getting specific because we got a pretty specific one from Annette about a specific syndrome that I've never even heard of. So I'm hoping maybe you have something called uh, ankylosing spondylitis. I'm sure that I butchered that one. That was uh, one that we had talked about actually a little bit ahead of time. And uh, Annette was wondering about staying away from nightshades because they're inflammatory. So are you familiar at all with, with that syndrome? Sure. Ankylosing spondylitis. Uh, you did it pretty well, Chuck. So ankylosing spondylitis, this is a uh, inflammatory medical condition typically involving the lower back. Um, you get literally inflammation inside the joints and, um, and there can be stiffness as well that comes with this. And ankylosing spondylitis typically, in some cases it exists by itself, but typically it will exist in association with other uh, autoimmune chronic inflammatory health conditions, such as Crohn's disease. One of the classic places where you will see ankylosing spondylitis is in people that have Crohn's disease. So if we think about ankylosing spondylitis as being a chronic inflammatory condition, because that's, that is the proper way to think about this, um, the question is, in this chronic inflammatory condition, should I stop eating nightshade vegetables? Nightshades, the are something that like, if you go to the internet, you will read about nightshades being the cause of, you know, flare ups of inflammatory, of, of, of inflammatory diseases and how they're inflammatory foods. And I take issue with this description. You know, examples of nightshade vegetables include tomatoes and peppers and potatoes and eggplant and when I, when, I, when I start to list them, like tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, immediately there's a specific dietary pattern that comes to mind. This sounds like a Mediterranean diet. And we have more evidence that a Mediterranean diet is an anti-inflammatory diet than any other dietary pattern out there. So it's uh, quite hard for me to connect that nightshades are implicitly inflammatory. Going a little bit further, is there evidence where they have looked at specifically nightshade vegetables in isolation and found that they increase the risk of people developing these inflammatory conditions or flaring these inflammatory conditions, the answer is no. There is not evidence. The exception to this is green potatoes, but you're not supposed to be eating green potatoes anyway, right? You should only eat brown potatoes. Green potatoes mean that they're spoiled and rotten. Um, so, the last thing that I will say on this, Chuck, is that invariably when I say that there is no evidence that these nightshades cause inflammation, there are, will always be a minor subset. When I say minor subset, I'm saying these uh, inflammatory conditions affect a minority of people. And among this minority of people that are affected by these inflammatory conditions, there will be even a much, much smaller minority of people who... Um, they actually feel that nightshades make their disease worse. It's hard for me to categorically comment on this, but what I will say is that at the end of the day, because there could be other health-related issues, you could have a histamine intolerance or something like that, so I can't just paint with broad strokes. There isn't evidence to prove that they cause inflammation, but if you as an individual person feel that they are activating your disease, I completely understand, and if I understood more, I would, I would potentially recommend that you not consume them. It really depends on the individual. Let's wrap things up uh, with a little bit of love from Quarantine Quartet uh, watching today. It says, uh, wish you They're awesome. You guys follow them? They're so good. They, they said, wish you guys did this weekly. 
says, I've lost 48 pounds since I first heard you two talk a year ago. You two are gold, and I thank you. So congratulations. 48 pounds is amazing. Congratulations. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I mean, Quarantine Quartet, the, the, it's an interesting story. This is a social media account. You guys should all check it out. And basically what happened is, look, the pandemic hit. They're a family of four, and they decided to start making music. And they're just they're just making music and they're putting it on the internet and it's really pretty awesome. <laughs> no so uh, definitely check it out and it's it's cool actually to hear that. I'm really excited to hear that. Oh wow! All right, quarantine quartet. I'm gonna check it. I'm gonna rock on with them this afternoon. That's yeah, I wasn't cool. expecting them to be here, Chuck, but I, I I follow them on social medias, which is why I can speak to that. So, all right. Well, they're going to get another follow as soon as we wrap up here. Um, but we can't wrap up. Uh, want to talk about the LA event. But before we get to that, man, I got to talk to you about what you have cooking up over on the plantfedgut.com. You've got the big uh, Empowered Gut Summit coming up April 10th through the 14th. What you got cooking, man? Yeah. So here we are. It's Wednesday and we are five days away from the Empowered Gut Summit. And it is the perfect time for people to jump in and grab your seat and get ready to have a great week next week. So basically what's happening here, Chuck, first of all, this event is completely free. So I am subsidizing th this event myself. Um, and we're going to have five days starting on Monday and ending on Friday of speakers. Some of the, the format is that some of the people I'm interviewing, and in some cases, the speakers are presenting something that they are an expert on. We have 25 total speakers. Additionally, there will be a recipe that's delivered on a daily basis developed by Chef Warren Kretzer. These recipes are amazing. Um, let me share a couple of the people who are in the, the Empowered Gut Summit because uh, I think some of these names will pop out to people. So uh, first of all, in the plant-based world, Chuck, you are in the Empowered Gut Summit. You're an absolute yeah. legend and I give you an <laughs> awesome introduction. Thank so you. So glad you're there. Um, we have Dr. Nitu Bajikal. We have James and Dahlia Marin from Married to Health. We have Simon Hill. Uh, we have Cyrus Kambada from Mastering Diabetes. We have Aisha Shurzai. We have Dan Butner from The Blue Zones. We have Tony Okamoto from uh, Plant Based on a Budget. We have Chef Warren Kretzer. We have Carly Bodrick, Bodrick from Plant You. We have Farmer Nick. Um, we have Ella Mills, Deliciously Ella. We have Darren Oline. But uh, Joel Furman is in there. Alan Desmond is in there. But in addition to that, we also have some really cool people that I think you're going to enjoy learning from that I, I learned from when I was interviewing them. Gabor Mate. Uh, I can't wait to share this in, this interview that I did with him. Gabor Mate, Jen Stevens, who's an intermittent fasting expert. Tim Spector, who I work with at Zoe and who's like literally, literally shaping the microbiome research across the globe. Um, and the glucose goddess is in there as well. So again, completely free event. Go to theplantfedgut.com, grab your seat, buckle up. Let's have some fun next week. Why not? Let's talk about these recipes here for a second, though, because you got Chef Lauren Kretzer on, on the case here. And let me tell you something. She does not disappoint. She is an amazing person, a cancer survivor, and just a whiz in the kitchen. You know what I'm looking forward to, though, are the uh, spicy chipotle cauliflower black bean tacos with quick pickled cabbage and smashed lime avocado. It does not get any better than that, my friend. Can you read a couple more of the recipes that you got there, Chuck? Oh, yeah, I got a whole list in front of me, man. Red cabbage and romaine chopped salad with shiitakes and toasted cashews with avocado miso ginger dressing. Hello. Can I get another? Yes, I can. Carrot harissa hummus. Amen. Got a little kick to it there, I'm hoping. And look, 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 look. For those exam roomies who have a sweet tooth as well, got them covered there. The plant-fed gut chocolate chip cookie bar and the banana berry seeded overnight oats can i get an amen can i get an amen amen that's yeah. what i'm talking about no i mean, I mean look it's uh, again like i think it's gonna be an awesome week i see like I, I i and again i'm putting this on because this is my way of sharing this message sharing these wonderful speakers the recipes with my community it's a free event come have fun come enjoy it learn something get as invested or involved as you want um, so whatever you like, you know, that's what it's there for.
There it is. Look, and the link to register right now is in the show description or in the episode notes. Let me give this the old radio announcer read. 25 trainings, five new recipes, 20 plus hours of content, 25 empowering leaders from around the world, five days of virtual sessions on nourishing food, lifestyle, environment, mind, and body practices can be yours for the low, low price of absolutely nothing. Completely free over at theplantfedgut.com. So click that link in the show description right now. Man, uh, so cool that you're doing this. The fact that it's free is absolutely extraordinary. And I know that just thousands and thousands and thousands of people are just going to reap the benefits, the fruits of your labor, my friend. So thanks for putting this on and thanks for having me there. Dude, I appreciate you saying that. And you know, at, at the end of the day, what's really cool about everything that's happened in my life over the last few years is that I'm given the opportunity to do things that I'm really passionate about that I think can be difference making. And for different people, they get to consume them on different levels. Maybe it's coming to this event for free. Maybe it's reading one of my books. Maybe it's doing one of my courses, whatever it is. Like there's a lot of options. And maybe it's listening to you and I hanging out on the exam room podcast. Yeah, that, that, that last one's my favorite. Absolutely my favorite. But I'll tell you, I love being able to give back as well. And this show has provided such extraordinary opportunities for me professionally, but more importantly, to help others and to pay it forward, as I like to say. Last week, the big show that we've been talking about for so long was out in LA. I've got a few pictures that I can pull up here from the event. I mean, just an extraordinary night. We wound up selling the place out, the eBell in Los Angeles, just hundreds and hundreds of exam roomies were there. And you see right there on stage, you see uh, almost every Everybody that uh, that was a guest that night, Dr. Barnard, Samantha Harris from Dancing with the Stars. You've got Harley Quinn Smith, who is a wonderful musician and actress in her own right. Also the daughter of director Kevin Smith. Dr. Christy Funk was there, Dr. Columbus Batiste, and Tony Okamoto. Man, she brought it. And uh, we actually had an opportunity to serve up her stuffed sweet potatoes that were from her latest cookbook plant-based on a budget quick and easy. So they were served before the show as well. Just such a, a great night. And then we did uh, the selfie. You see all the exam roomies. I mean, just standing room only in the back. It was such a such a fun night. Uh, there's how the selfie turned out. Um, Look at that packed room. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it really was. I mean, it was just mind-blowing to be able to do this. Um, true story. Dr. Columbus Batiste has radio pipes. I mean, he just has this booming voice. So as he's talking and I'm sitting next to him and I'm just like, all right, my funny bone is tickled. So I write down on this piece of paper that he's reading. I said, uh, the love doctor, you're listening to the quiet storm. And I just handed it to him and I said, read this. And he did. And he nailed it, man. And it just made <laughs> the old, you know, my old radio heart just kind of go a flutter. So that's what was happening there. It's just a lot of fun. This guy thought that that was hysterical. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what was happening there. He got it right away. Uh, so there we are. It's yeah. The big, the big pants tour rolled, rolled into LA. Uh, and uh, Moby musician was uh, there. He graced us with his presence. He did a, a segment. Yeah. And then uh, there's me and Harley Quinn. And then, so this is Michelle. Uh, who I was talking about earlier in the show, who flew all the way in from Calgary, Dr. B. And um, this was actually the night before. And uh, Dr. Barnard and I just happened to be out at dinner with a couple of our colleagues and supporters. And this woman walked up and she's like, I just wanted to introduce myself. Your show has changed my life and I've lost 70 pounds. And come to find out she was in town for the show and this was Michelle. So this is Dr. Barnard and myself with her at Nick's on Beverly out there, which is a great restaurant, completely vegan. The menu is just top notch. It's so much fun there. Beautiful, beautiful. And then the next night here she is at the actual event with her husband and uh, Dr. Funk and Dr. Barnard and myself. So, I mean, really just a top notch event. And, um, you know, the only thing that would have made it better brother is if you were there with us as well. So Hopefully in the future, we can make that happen. Um, but I do have an exciting announcement and that uh, we do not have the guest lineup in place yet other than Dr. Neil Barnard, but New York City, my friends, we are headed your way on July 12th. We've Ooh. got the location. The tickets go on sale on Monday, New York City, July 12th, the exam room live coming your way. So come on out and join us. Stay tuned for all the details. But let me tell you something, Dr. B, New York City is going to be lit. If it's anything like LA, it's going to be the place to be that night. That is for daggone sure. 
That I mean, it sounds unbelievable, and I think that the LA experience—it's—it's it's quite clear what a wonderful time was had by all. Oh, so good. Oh man, I mean, just one of those nights that just you pinch yourself and you're like, "Is this real life? Like, are we really helping that many people right now?" And I'm having so much fun doing it. And turns out, you wake up the next day, and sure enough, it's reality, man. And it's just—it's—it's it's the greatest, man. As you well totally know. Great. And the yeah. and the amazing thing about it too, Chuck, is like literally, it just takes one person. Like that's what many people don't realize is all it takes is one person to say your work has helped me. And it just is like, this is why we do it. This is why we work so hard. Those are the, those are the moments that we care about. And so it's really cool to uh, see that come to fruition for you and for the exam room. You guys have done so much good. Yeah, man. And, and true story, like back in the day when I was big Chuck on WBIG and even when I was a reporter to a certain extent, I was always chasing notoriety for myself but like with this it it doesn't matter like that is not my goal that's not my intent at all and the thing that matters most to me more than anything in the world is meeting people like michelle and everybody who's in the chat today quarantine quartet hearing about their health transformations the success that they're having because they're learning with us and raising their health iqs with the show that means more to me than anything else in this world so guys thank you so very much um you're just extraordinary extraordinary i know you got to run and we are fresh out of time we're running long today a uh, couple more quick things uh mike kaplan vegan comedian and i we will be at brown university on april 17th to kick off their plant week that's going to be a six o'clock start time also going to be at the fairfax veg fest on april 23rd we got a lot coming up man planted yeah. expo in toronto april 29th and 30th i'm going to be there as well uh, as well as carly uh the friend our friend there, John Lewis, badass vegan, uh, Megan Duhamel, Olympic figure skater. She's going to be there. Dr. Matthew Nagger, so many more. So plantedlife.com for your tickets there. And then I'll also be at Planet Bethesda on June 4th. And of course, July 12th up in the Big Apple, New York City. My man, we're all over. I know that you're all over the place. You're doing big things with your summit. Um, it's just, it's so much fun when you're here. And I do mean this, it is the highlight of my month every time we get to do the show together. So thanks so much for carving out a little time in your busy schedule, my man. My brother, it is always fun. I am grateful for these wonderful exam roomies. They are, they are the lifeblood of this conversation. They are the energy that gets injected into this. Y'all make it fun. I love the active chat. Uh, we got, <laughs> before I run real quick, we, we have, um, a comment that I am the Prince of Pooh and the Sultan of Scat. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I haven't heard that oh, one before. No. I'm pretty sure, Chuck, you didn't come up with that. So that's a, that, is, that is original material right there. I wouldn't do that one to you, man. It really is the highlight of my month when Dr. Bolsowitz is on the show. I have so much fun playing in this healthy sandbox that we've created here on the exam room live. And if you ever get the opportunity, if you've never joined us for one of the live episodes as we're doing them on Facebook and on YouTube, when Dr. B is making a house call, that's the time to do it. You will never have so much fun as when Dr. B and I get together. So these shows once a month with him, typically the second Tuesday of the month, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel or Facebook page. And by the way, it's not just Dr. B who comes on. We do these shows every single week while we do wait for Dr. Bolsowitz and we love it when he's on. We have so much to talk about. We can't just do it once a month. So next week, Dr. Neil Barnard will be back with me on the exam room live. So set a reminder again, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel or Facebook page. Links to both right now can be found in the episode notes. So at the top of the show, I said that I would tell you about hangry. Being hangry and why it is that we get that way. Well, it's not just because your tummy's running on empty. So have you ever been hangry, like so hungry that you're angry? It's not just you. It's really not just you. New research shows that some bacteria cells in your gut, they can get hangry too. And while they're hangry, these cells, they actually release harmful toxins into your body that can make you sick. 
this researcher by the name of Adam Rosenthal, Dr. Adam Rosenthal, decided to take a closer look at why these cells get hangry and release these toxins into the body. And they looked at these cells. They say, well, why are some of these cells acting like, quote, well-behaved citizens and others as bad actors? So what they did was they looked at this rod-shaped bacteria that can be found in the intestinal tract of humans and as well as our animal friends. So they really zeroed in on this for their microbe of choice in the studies. And what they found was with these C. perforogens, as they're called, not C. diff, as we were talking about on the show today, but C. perforogens, these cells were not producing toxins when they were well-fed with nutrients. However, on the other hand, toxin-producing C. perforogen cells appear to be lacking these nutrients. So they produce the toxins when they're not getting enough nutrients, and when they are getting enough nutrients, they don't produce the toxins. And this is a, a quote from a press release that was sent out about this study that was sent to me. It said, quote, researchers then exposed the, quote, bad actor cells to a substance called acetate. And their hypothesis rang true. Not only did toxin levels drop across the community, but the number of bad actors reduced as well. But in the aftermath of such astounding results, even more questions now are popping up. So they're going to continue to look at the research and they really do hope that they'll be able to use these findings to tackle antibiotic resistance in the future. But for now, just to kind of boil everything down and simplify it, simply put, the healthier you eat, the more nutrients that you put in your body, the kind of nutrients that I assume come from eating a healthy whole food plant-based diet, the fewer bad actors you will have prowling around in your gut. Pretty interesting stuff. So the bacteria in your gut is hangry at the same time you are. Love that nutrition science. There's a link to the full study right now in the episode notes. And of course, do not forget to sign up for the Empowered Gut Summit with Dr. Bolsowitz and 25 world-renowned wellness leaders. It starts April 10th, and there's a link to register right now in the episode notes, or you can simply head to the plantfedgut.com. And I also wanted to go back to the other events where I will be in the near future. The calendar is really full for April. Brown University with the vegan comedian Mike Kaplan. That's April 7th. He and I, were going to be helping to kick off Plant Week at 6 o'clock. That's Brown University up in Providence. Then back in the Washington, D.C. area for Fairfax Veg Fest on April 23rd. That's going to be in Herndon, Virginia. I will be emceeing that day. And up on stage will be Dr. Neil Barnard, Dr. Baxter Montgomery, Robert Cheek, vegan strongman. He's going to be there. Dr. Jim Loomis and Karen Dugan, the doc and chef. They're going to be there. And everything will be headlined by T. Colin Campbell. So that is April 23rd. Fairfax Veg Fest. Would love to see you there. Herndon, Virginia, just about 10 minutes away from Dulles Airport. So this is really one of the top Veg Fests in the entire country. So it's worth making the trip in on April 23rd. So if you come into Dulles Airport, Herndon is really only 10 or 15 minutes away. Come on out, say hi, meet everybody. It would be great to see you there. Then April 29th and 30th, I will be in Toronto for the Planted Expo, along with, as we said on the show today, Carly Bodrug, she's going to be there. John Badass Vegan Lewis, he's going to be there. Dr. Michael Greger, he's going to be there. Megan Duhamel, our friend, Dr. Matthew Nagger, who was just on the show, and so many more. So check out plantedlife.com for all the details there. See you in Toronto, April 29th and 30th. And then back again at the home base in the Washington, D.C. area, Bethesda, Maryland, June 4th at Planet Bethesda. Check out planetbethesda.com for a full list of speakers and details. Congressman Jamie Raskin will be in the house that day along with myself and a whole lot of others. And I do hope to see you guys there as well. It would be so, so, so great to meet you. I really do. I love meeting you. That was my favorite part of the trip out to LA was just the opportunity to meet hundreds and hundreds of you exam roomies. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. And every single time 
you come up and you say hi and introduce yourself and share your story. It just means the absolute world to me. So thank you guys so very much for investing your time with us because that is the one thing that is limited for everybody on this earth is time. And the fact that you're taking time to invest it in the show and improve your health is absolutely amazing to me. So thank you so very much. I do love each and every one of you. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to the Prince of Poop, the Pharaoh of Fiber, and my dearest friend, Dr. Will Bolsowitz, for being here, empowering our guts, and raising our health IQs. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.